Who is saved? And what's necessary for salvation? What do we do and how do we get there? I think we ask questions like this often, or at least questions in that kind of realm, especially in a, a global world that we live in today. And I think that the answers to those questions, if they're too easy or simple, they often make us uncomfortable, no matter which direction they go in. So say, like, the one easy answer is, you know, like, don't worry about it, everybody's going to heaven. You know, we're all going to be okay. You're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. And that kind of ends up being a sort of universalist thing, and I think that makes us uncomfortable on some level, because then it's like, why are we here then? Why, why, do we, why are we alive in this world? Why are we suffering if, if it means nothing and we're all going to heaven anyways? Like, it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to give this life much meaning. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we see something that, an answer that seems brutal and difficult and somewhat arbitrary we, when we say something like, there's no salvation outside the church. And there's multiple religions who say, you know, there's no salvation outside of this religion. And, you know, and you, you look at the world and you're like, that seems kind of crazy and arbitrary and like, is, is, that doesn't really square up to who I think God is. So that answer seems too easy as well. So I think we need to dig in to this and figure out a kind of authentic and real answer to this question, or at least try. Uh, but why, why do we always think about these questions? Why do we ask them? What's the, you know, what drives us to ask these sort of questions? I think it's because deep down, part of us as humans, we want a religion of what we call, what the technical term would be, orthopraxis. What does that mean, to be a religion of orthopraxis? It means that, it means that a religion where, where we're given a set of kind of commands and obligations and procedures and prayers, and then we do them, and then we're guaranteed heaven. You know, it's kind of like, a, you know, I, I do these things for you, and then you give me eternal life. That's kind of the, that's the religion we kind of desire on some level because it gives us a sense of security. You know, even if it's difficult, if I just do this, I'm good. You know what? And... And then, like, in, in that case, it, it doesn't really matter what you believe in the midst of it or what your intention is. It's just like you do the thing and you're good. Uh, we kind of want that. And a few of the, you know, fastest-growing religions in the world are that way, which is part of their compelling force because it kind of satisfies a certain longing that we have uh, for that security. But Christianity is not that sort of religion. It's not a religion of orthopraxy. We, we call ourselves a religion of orthodoxy. And what does that mean? It means that as Christians, it actually matters what we believe. And it matters why we do things. Not just that we do them, it matters why we do them. Uh, and this is true for a multitude of reasons, but I want to kind of hope, hopefully focus in on just a few of them and try to give us maybe in, some insight into why we do the things that we do and also why it's so difficult and confusing to be a Christian. Like, it's, it's difficult, and it's confusing, and, it's, and sometimes it's not perfectly clear, and like, why is that? So we'll try to dig into that. So first, as Christians, we're not a religion of myth. We're a religion of history. And what does that mean? It means that, that history actually matters to us in a concrete way. 
Like what we believe about what happened in the past matters to us today. So a, a counterexample would be something like, like in Buddhism, whether or not Buddha was a man who existed at some point in time is somewhat irrelevant. What matters is his teaching. Uh, what matters is kind of the moral teaching that he gave and the way in which kind of it's come to be seen that he lived. Uh, and, and most Buddhists would say, yeah, sure, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like, we don't worship Buddha. We, we live this life. Um, but for us as Christians, it does matter that Jesus Christ lived, that he came, that he preached the gospel, that he died on the cross, and that he rose. All of those things matter. If one of those things didn't happen, then there's really no reason for us to be here today. If Jesus Christ wasn't actually God, become man, if that's not real, if that's not true, then there's just no reason for us to be here. Um, and the scriptures just don't matter. There's no reason to read them. We see this in one of the kind of decisive moments in the gospel. When Jesus asks the, asks the disciples, you know, he's standing there with them, he says, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, you know, one of the prophets come returned, or another one said, you know, you're Elijah, come back. And then a third suggested, you know, John the Baptist risen from the dead. And then Jesus follows with, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter steps up and says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's, that's an amazing moment in the scriptures because that moment, though so important, has nothing to do with what Jesus actually teaches and everything to do with who he is. So it actually matters who he is, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we see this even more evident in the early councils of the church. So all seven of the first ecumenical councils, which is what we call them, where, where we receive basically the whole kind of corpus of revelation, like, like those first ec- seven councils were the most important meetings in the history of the church. And in every single one of them, the focus wasn't on you know, the moral teaching of the church. The focus wasn't on the social teaching or social justice. The focus on was on who Jesus Christ is and who God is in the Holy Trinity. Those were the two things they talked about at every single council. And they argued about them and they got in fist fights over them and it mattered. You know, like, that's, that's what mattered. And it wasn't like there wasn't other things to talk about at that time. You know, it's the 3rd to 7th century. If you've studied history, it's a rough time in human history. Everything's falling apart. There's barbarian tribes taking over. Like, it's a crazy time. And what were they talking about? Who God is and who he has revealed himself to us to be. So this means for us as Christians that, that what we believe, both about history and about who God is, doesn't only matter for our salvation. It actually matters for the way that we live our life. Otherwise, we wouldn't care about it so much. You know, St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that that nothing we do apart from love, nothing we do apart from Christ, matters. He says, if I speak in human and angelic tongues, but don't have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have faith to move mountains, but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything I own, all of my possessions, If I hand my body over so as to boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So nothing we do apart from Christ, nothing we do without love in our hearts matters at all. Yet when we act 
in love, united to Christ, then the, the whole world becomes a different place to us. Like we actually just see the world in a different way, and everything we do is transformed. Uh, something Jesus says in the gospel today is, is fascinating to me. It's very interesting. He says, anyone who gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, a man I say to you will not lose his reward. That's just a, that's a, oh, I don't know, that's interesting, because the implications of that are very serious. So, say, I spent my whole life working to bring fresh water to the third world. You know, it's, I think it's something like 40% of people in the world don't have access to fresh water. Incredible. You know, worth, worth spending your life for on that cause. So say I spent my whole life for that, and a million people have fresh water by the end of my life that didn't have it before. That's, that's incredible to think about. But say I did all of that because I wanted the recognition of it. Or I did all that for any reason other than love of God. Then Jesus says that for me, that means nothing. It actually means nothing. Like that accomplishment, nothing. I mean, it's great that those people have fresh water now. Obviously, that's a good. But for me, it means nothing. As opposed to some person who gives a single cup of water to someone because they love God, that simple act of love, will not be forgotten in the kingdom of heaven. And this is a great mystery that actually makes it really difficult to be a Christian. You know, as Christians, we realize that we, that we can't simply be a good person and achieve salvation. Salvation is beyond us. We are incapable of it. We have hope because of Christ only. That's our only hope for salvation. And so anything we do apart from Christ doesn't mean anything. It, 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 like, we're, we're not achieving anything by it because that's not the goal of our life. The goal of our life is to be in union with Christ. That's what we're here for, to come to know God in a deep and intimate way. Do all those other things follow? Of course, because the poor are Christ in this world. But our goal is union with Christ. And so this is why Jesus' words on sin in today's gospel seem so harsh. You know, like, he tells us, cut off your hand if it causes you to sin. Cut off your foot. Pluck out your eye. You're like, whoa, Jesus. Relax, man. Like, step back and listen to what you're saying. Like, that's it's a little, little much, don't you think? And what, it, what he's telling us isn't, you know, because it's, it's never actually your hand. You know, like, like it's our intellect and our will, you know, but... But he's telling us that nothing can separate us from him. We can't let anything separate us from him. And so, anything that gets in the way, we have to get that out of our life. Right now. You know, and we, and you, I don't know if you've ever heard stories of kind of penances from the medieval world. I don't know, unless you've really studied history, maybe not. But I uh, remember reading about, you know, a, a common penance, maybe not common, but once in a while, in like the 12th century, it, say someone committed a serious sin like murder and they went to confession, a penance might be, you know, like walk to Jerusalem from France. Like a pilgrimage to Jerusalem from France on foot. That's your penance for this confession. You know, like forget two Hail Marys, walk to Jerusalem. And, uh, and that's, that's intense. That's, that's a multiple year long penance. That's leaving everything your life in your life to do this. 
And you think that's, I mean, that's asking too much of that person. And perhaps it is. But say someone chose to undertake that journey in repentance for a murder that they committed. I think that it would inevitably, that person would become a saint. They would. Like, think about, you're leaving everything in your life, your, your career, everything behind, to take this journey literally to Calvary on foot. A difficult and, and perilous journey in the ancient world. And why? In hopes of being reunited to God. In hopes of coming to know the one who's the only one capable of lifting someone out of the misery that caused them to take another human's life. Like that, that's an incredible journey. And, uh, and, and in a spiritual way, that's kind of how we need to focus our lives. Like we need to zero in on Calvary. We need to focus in in a way that everything that distracts us from that is pushed out of our life. So I want to just return to that original point and finish up here. We want a religion that's, that's kind of simple and clear and straightforward so that we can just know what's going to happen. Uh, but Christianity can never be that because in the end it's a relationship. It's a friendship with God. And anyone who's ever had a friend realizes that there's always something mysterious and there's always something messy about friendship. No, it's just never that clear and straightforward. Because you're dealing with another person. And they're just never that clear and straightforward. You're not dealing with a law. You're not dealing with rules. You're dealing with a person. And so relationships, though messy, are also the most joyful thing in our life. And so a friendship with God is the most joyful thing we will ever experience. And that's what we're called to. So why does it matter that we learn about God? Why do I talk about like, the focus being on who God is? Well, also in friendship, what's crucial is knowing the one who is your friend. You can't love someone that you don't know. We all know that. Especially see that in marriages. When you start to not know each other anymore, you start to drift apart inevitably. But if, as you grow in knowledge and intimacy of the person that you love, you grow to love them in a deeper and newer way. And in a sense, you, you like kind of penetrate the mystery of that person uh, over the course of your life. And so that's what we're called to do with God. Jesus says, I call you friends. I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what the master's doing. But friends do. Jesus has revealed himself to us. Revealed who God is. And so we can actually be in friendship with him. And it matters that we know those things. So how could we fail to, to respond in kind to the friendship that God offers us? Uh, we have to respond with our whole lives. That's the only option. And begin kind of digging into the revelation that he gives us about who he is. Uh, both in the scriptures and the teachings of the church that we've been given... And then in a vigorous response in loving the poor, who he's called us to serve. So Christianity is simple. It's simple, it's not easy. That's a big distinction we need to make. Because it, it's friendship, and friendship is a simple thing, it's just not an easy thing. 
But it's what we were, we were created for, and it's what we're called to. And so let us strive for that friendship with God. Amen.